<laughs> hey, Dennis, are you a lawyer? Yeah. Am I a lawyer? You are. Do we talk about law? All the time. Are we giving legal advice? Never. At least not to these people. No. They haven't paid for it. No. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. Shut up. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile work environment. Hey, Dennis. Hey, Mark. How's it going? It's going great. I am very excited to be recording again today. Yeah, me too. I understand we're going to have a guest. We are going to have a guest, and we actually have a very timely, topical, right, ripped from the headlines Whoa. kind of uh, interview coming up next segment. So uh, I'm very excited. We've already recorded it when we're recording this, so uh, I can say it's very good. It's good. Unlike all the other episodes, we've been... Yeah, well, or we know. just we just didn't know yet when we recorded the intro. Right, that's true. We, know. we actually know how it's going to turn out, and it's not bad. It's not bad. Um, also, the, we're going to be releasing this on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, so yes. happy MLK Day to everybody. Happy MLK Day, and I, there's no connection here, but I should note there is a couple of four-letter words that come up in this episode. Nothing that has not come out of the White House recently, however. Correct. So if so, you let your kids watch CNN, you can probably let your kids listen to this episode. But if you're, you know, sensitive to such things, this might be one to skip over. Indeed. Uh, as will next week's episode. As will next so, week's. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so we've got some some colorful language, but nothing, nothing outrageous. No. Uh, so... No f bombs. No f bombs. Total PG language. PG, well, PG thirteen maybe. Maybe. I think it's PG thirteen. Well, we actually are recording this, and we have not recorded our listener story yet. Oh, so I do speak not listen. Too De- soon. Dennis has not heard this story, so we may actually have an f bomb in there. So anyway, okay. The warning is out Just there. Just nobody listen to this episode. Just stop. No, no I'm kidding. Listen, and in fact, we're going to give you some extra motivation here. Yes, we want you to listen to the end because at the very end, I am going to have an incredibly exciting announcement. I'm actually super excited about this yeah. announcement. So uh, there's only maybe a slight amount of hyperbole in that, but it's it's uh, pretty cool. We're excited. So you're, you're going to be excited too. We will be right back with our. Absolutely amazing, incredible, wonderful guest uh, and interview. All right, we're back, and uh, we have a very special guest today. We would like to welcome Anne Fromholz to the show. Anne has been an investigator and employment attorney for over 20 years. Like Dennis and myself, Anne has practiced at both large law firms and in-house. For the last three years, she's been out on her own, conducting complex investigations, counseling and training a wide range of employers on employment issues, serving as an expert witness, and much more. And perhaps most importantly here, Anne does all of this in California, which is like a nation unto itself when it comes to employment issues. It's the People's Republic of the I People's understand. Republic of California. Uh, Anne, welcome to Hostile Work Environment. Thank you, Mark and Dennis. I am so happy to be here. I might actually be your number one fan. Oh, oh thank, thank you. you. <laughs> I think I deserve a number one fan T-shirt or oh. or mug. Well, interestingly. Oh. Um, we we'll see what hang, we can do about that. Hang out till later in the episode. Yeah. There will be an, an important announcement after our little chat this morning. 
And I didn't even know that. Yeah. Like, te- yeah, you, just, any- you just you just teed it up. right up. That was perfect. You 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 set it up and threw we'll us knock the softball. <laughs> so well, I was I was a softball pitcher earlier in life. So yeah. it's sort of yep. it, it all, shows. It, it all fits together. It does. Um, all right. So today, uh, Anne is here to help us talk about a new case that was filed in California, uh, or about a week ago, I think. Um, and it's made some, some pretty big headlines and it forces us to consider an interesting question. Are my political beliefs protected, uh, working at a private employer in California? Uh, the case that we're talking about is called Daymore and Gudeman v. Google. And it forces us to address this question of whether Google's apparent firing of these two individuals based on their conservative political beliefs represented a violation of California law. So uh, they're bringing claims saying that they were discriminated based on their political beliefs, but also based on gender discrimination, their dudes, uh, race, their white, uh, harassment, retaliation, and failure to prevent all of those bad things from happening to them. So I thought we would just kind of let this be freeform here. It's a very long complaint. And as we were just observing before we came on to record, it has uh, memes and uh, all sorts of emails and other crazy stuff. Uh, Which I will tell the listeners here just a a, a little bit of a confession. When I got the complaint and I read through the actual, like, you know, the the texty part that talks about their facts and claims. And and there's a lot of text. There's a lot of that. I kind of threw up in my mouth a little. It's awful. But when you get into like the exhibits, they decided to post like all of these awesome memes and stuff. And I have to say, it's the first time I've seen Patrick Stewart and Philip J. Fry in a legal complaint. And I was really excited to see that. <laughs> so, so well done. It, it made up for the <laughs> fact that the rest of it's just truly reprehensible. And it also proves something that I've said jokingly. Uh, during trainings for many years now, which is, do you know how to turn email into an exhibit? Ah. Push print. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so just know that whatever whatever you put out there on the internet or the intranet, as it is at Google, um, is there forever and may very well end up in a uh, legal pleading. So Indeed. beware. Yeah, be, be, be very wary. So, um, Anne, I think I'll, I'll I'll put this to you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what the allegations are here? What what allegedly happened here that these two guys are so uh, pissed off about? Sure, I, I think there's a lot that that is um, to use the language that will may come up later later on in a summary judgment motion. There's a lot that is undisputed here, which is. Um, that Mr. Daymore, I'm, I'm trusting you on his on the pronunciation of his name. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I go, it, right, go right ahead. We don't. I know thought better, it was like Demore. Demore. Oh, I, I went when to when the moon hits college. your eye like a big pizza high. That's Demore. That's Demore. I went to college with a guy whose last name was um, Demore. It was. Isn't that right? I'm I'm testing my own memory. I'm asking you. You have no idea. But it was with an apostrophe. It was very Italian. Diamore. Yes, it was pronounced differently. But let's go with Daymore because that's what you said. Sure. Uh, Daymore it is. Yes. So as as the news um, was all a Twitter with, um, to use a bad pun, um, 
so in what last summer, Mr. Daymore um, published a memo internally at Google uh, that was quite long and took issue with um, Google's attempts at diversity. Um, and he said in the memo that he that he believed that uh, those attempts at diversity um, disadvantaged um, white men and conservatives. And then that it said a lot more than that, but that's my quick summary. Do you have a better summary, either of you? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, the complaint goes into a lot of detail about how uh, or trying to maybe backpedal a little bit um, that, you know, he doesn't believe that diversity necessarily is a bad thing, but that if you're looking at um, specifically not at qualifications for a job, but looking simply to diversify your workforce, uh, that's a bad thing, though. I don't see any facts in there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't see any facts in there that say that Google was not looking at qualifications for the job along with trying to diversify their workforce. No, he's just making the assumption that a diverse workforce is not as is, qualified, is not as as, qualified as by definition. Yeah. So. And, and if I recall correctly, um, and I'm scrolling to try to find the memo. He said something that at least was received was assumed to mean that um, women who were, who he worked with as software engineers were not as qualified as he or perhaps women who were promoted were, in his opinion, not as qualified as he. Um, and it was at least reported to um, be reflective of his opinion that women were not as good at being software engineers. But yeah, I, I don't know that to be true. I don't know that that opinion is true. I certainly know that women and men are just as good at almost everything. Um, I wouldn't know about being a software engineer because I certainly couldn't do that. Um, but probably not just because you're a woman, right? Well, I, I, I think that's a, a decent assumption. Yes. Yeah, I mean, for, for just for the record, I can't do that either. And I'm a guy. So just because you're a guy doesn't mean you could sit in front of a computer and be a software engineer is what you're saying. No, I, I could sit in front of a computer. I could do that part. Hmm. Well, that's I, maybe I, there. I do a lot of that stuff for work, but <laughs> I couldn't that code my way you, out of a wet doesn't make bag. you a software engineer. No. So Mr. Daymore's memo was then leaked to somebody by an internal Google person from the internal Google site was leaked to someone external and then it took off and we all heard about it. Um, shortly thereafter. And we apologize for the loud kitty cat in the background, which is now being by my uh, <laughs> bold co-host. Well, it, that just contributes to the. He's locked into the studio here. He's now he's, he's leaving the studio. Goodbye, kitty. He might've been able to add something. <laughs> he was trying to add his opinion. <laughs> about the case. Well, he is a male cat and he has very strong opinions about (laughs) such things. A white male cat. Yeah. Understand he was trying to man-catsplain? He was, yeah. (laughs) He's actually Uh, a male cat of color, but... (laughs) Oh, this is going down a very bad path. (laughs) Moving on. Moving on very quickly. (laughs) So, Mr. Damore was um, fired. Uh, not long after his memo came out, we of course were not privy to 
Google's decision-making process. Um, and evidently, his co-plaintiff, Mr. Gudeman, is that right? That's how, that's how I pronounced it. Good, okay, Gudeman, well, like, then that's how... Know, maybe German, I don't know. Yeah. That's pronounced, um, if you, that's how you say. Um, Mr. Gudeman evidently also was fired. Uh, we didn't hear anything about him in the news, but the complaint says that he was fired for the same reason for participating in a memo or supporting Mr. Damore or some such. So they've now filed this as a class action. Um, and that, that's a, that's a road we could go down that could take hours to talk about whether that's a good idea, but I think it makes more of a splash to fight mm-hmm. class action and say that everybody who falls into the category of white male conservative um, at, Google. Is, yeah. at Google is subjected to discrimination on yeah. those bases. But they fired both of them. Right. So, so yeah. <laughs> Do they have enough left to make a class beyond these two? Jo- Sorry, bad joke. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, let's talk about class actions for an hour and who needs to be in a class. Well, let's um, not. But let, let's not. The point is you need a bunch of people. You need a bunch well, of people and they all need to have something similar happen to them. Well, Yes, um, but you could have people who were sub- current employees who were subjected to discrimination on the basis of these things and were not promoted or paid differently, although I would sincerely doubt you'd get a pay case because there's a class action, uh, a class of women suing Google right now for pay equity. So these are sort of competing class actions against Google right oh, interesting. now. Interesting. I didn't know about that one. Oh, yeah, it's been going on for at least longer than this one. But, yeah, so does Google discriminate against women in pay or do they discriminate against conservative white men? I guess we'll find out. Um, So this case um, attempts to state a few claims. (laughs) I'm trying to be generous. Um, The first is this what you teed up, Mark, is this political affiliation, political activities claim. Right. Now, and I, I, as far as I know, in nearly every state in the country, that's not protected. Well, uh, in, in California, it's it's not, and it is. So I'll I'll explain. I'll try not to get too law nerdy, and you can sort of take me out I of the weeds. When- no, we're good. Okay. So California's anti-discrimination law is called the Fair Employment and Housing Act. It's similar to Title VII, which is the federal law, but it's um, more protective, has uh, more um, protected classes. The way it's been interpreted is more protective of employees and so on. The Fair Employment and Housing Act, or as we call it, FEHA, does not include political affiliation, political party, political activities as a protected class. So while this complaint has claims for violation of FIHA, those are not the claims about their political affiliation or activities or whatever they're trying to say. Instead, the first two claims in the complaint are for violation of the California Labor Code, sections 1101 and 1102, which specifically state that uh, an employer cannot essentially take negative action against an employee for his or her political activities. So that 
raises the first question, I think, which is that were they, was what they were doing political activities? Indeed, yeah. I was wondering, reading that, how expansive is the definition of what a political activity is? And and I'm reading the Labor Code section now, so I I might have misstated a little. It also says affiliation. So 1101B prohibits an employer from adopting, making, adopting, or enforcing any rule, regulation, or policy, controlling or directing or tending to control or direct the political activities or affiliations of employees. Well, that gets really interesting because... When you read through the complaint, they're not saying we were targeted because we're Republicans or we were targeted because we voted for Trump. Although there's some noise about, you know, Trump involved, but it wasn't the actual activity of supporting him or being a party member or any of that stuff. It was because we were against diversity initiatives, we were targeted which would suggest in their view that there is some sort of linkage between their political affiliation, which presumably Republican, and being anti-diversity, which I think many Republicans would vehemently disagree with. I, I think you've just made Google's first argument. Well oh. done, Dennis. Yeah. You know, Google, I'll give you the address so you can send the check when you <laughs> use that. <laughs> But I, I, I think that's exactly right. And that, that to me is, is their biggest stumbling block for these claims that they, oh, you may have a cat, but I have a snoring Boston Terrier. In the <laughs> wow. You win. That's awesome. That's my fancy podcast studio. Um, I, I, I think that they're going to have a tough time showing that, what they were doing or it's really what Daymore did. And the other guy whose name I'm forgetting right now, Gutemann, so, right. Gutemann. Right. Sorry. Um, shouldn't what make that joke. No, you really shouldn't, <laughs> but we're going to leave it in. <laughs> <laughs> so what Daymore did and what Gutemann su- participated in or supported um, was as I see it, as as you've explained, an expression of their opinion about an activity that Google was participating in, or 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 a policy that Google had, it wasn't. They weren't running for office. They weren't raising money for a candidate. They weren't even talking about a po- I, political candidate. Or I don't think I even ever saw them talk about a political party. I don't think I saw the word Republican really pop up in there. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm, there's a lot of words in there, so I probably missed a lot of them. But I, I saw conservative beliefs as opposed to a party affiliation. Now, there are those who will say that conservative is a political affiliation because Republicans are too liberal. And that if you are true, if you're True blue, true, I guess true red, not true blue. True red, you're a conservative, and that that is a political affiliation. So maybe that's the argument they'll make. I don't know. Um, what I do know um, is that their lawyer is herself um, a v- very active in, in the conservative movement. A very active, that didn't make sense. She is very active in the conservative movement. 
she she was as as it happens a year ahead of me in college. Ooh, I, you 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 have the inside scoop well, here. Do tell right. I don't because I didn't know her. Uh, <laughs> okay. But what I do know is that she wrote for and may may have been an editor on the Dartmouth Review. Now the Dartmouth Review is probably not all that well known outside of Hanover, New Hampshire, but some of its alumni are. And it was founded by a group of people, I believe I'm right about this history, um, founded by a group of people that included Laura Ingram, who's now a Fox News um, contributor or, or host or something, and um, and Dinesh D'Souza, who's written a number of very conservative books and may or may not still be in prison. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'll just get that one go. Yep. It's another just podcast. Um, I know that they were on the review and prominent in the review. I just don't know for sure that I'm right that they found it. But they were class of 84, 85. She was 89. I'm showing my age. Um, when I say she, I mean Harmeet Dillon, the, um, the lead lawyer on this case. So um, she is very experienced in taking positions um, that reflect this conservative posture. And um, if I may be so bold as to say bomb throwing. Mm, uh, yeah. It sounds like there's some pot stirring. Yes. Um, component to this. Yes. I mean, I, I mean, bomb throwing figuratively, of course. Yes, of course. Yes. Uh, but that's what the Dartmouth review did. Um, and that's in my um, recollection um, what she has done. Over time, she is in the perhaps unenviable position of being the head of the Republican Party in the city of San Francisco, um, which oh. is yeah, got to be controversial. So, she, so you can just draw your own conclusions um, from from there as to what what sort of um, publicity she might be seeking um, with this complaint. Um, I suspect she's she's trying to make a point. Um, I, that's also what I see when I read the complaint because this has how many hundreds of facts before they state a cause of action, which is not at all typical. And they have all these uh, emails and memes in the complaint and as exhibits, which is, again, not what one typically sees in a first pleading. It's what comes out in discovery. Um, so uh, that's just my, my personal, probably completely baseless and completely biased opinion about what their motivations are. We go for bias and baselessness here because it's far more interesting than truth and objectivity. <laughs> Excellent. Then, I, then I'm your gal. <laughs> huh? they, they also have... Uh, there are other claims other than the political affiliation one. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's talk about those. Like the whole like oppression of the white male is um, all over this complaint, which I found really, really fascinating. Well, it, yes. <laughs> it's not a claim that we see very often. No, although may I, may I indulge in in a couple stories from other cases about that sort of claim. Oh, please do okay. indulge. Well, I worked at a large healthcare provider organization that has um, operations in Georgia. 
And one of my cases was a reverse discrimination, because that's what we call cases, discrimination cases brought by white people. Um, it was based on race. Uh, it was a reverse discrimination case um, for his termination. And it was um, dismissed even in Georgia. So I think that if a reverse discrimination case dies in Georgia, it's necessarily going to die in Northern California. That's a pretty good assumption. That's fair. Yeah. And someone has joked that a great defense to the claim that Google is biased against white men would be a picture of the Google employee workforce. <laughs> Which is really the irony here is that as you read through the exhibits in this complaint, you really get a picture of Google being incredibly self-aware of its own lack of diversity and then trying to figure out, God, what do we do to encourage a more diverse workforce? Like 99% of us would read this stuff and think like, wow, good for Google. As employment lawyers, as defense side employment lawyers, we look at this and say, this is exactly the type of stuff that we advise our clients to do. Yeah, they're doing the right thing. You know, maybe maybe not, you know, sending around memes of people, you know, mocking Sarah Palin. I don't discourage that. But, you know, I don't directly encourage that. N not necessarily as part of your work duties. No. But the whole idea here that, that Google's out there trying to, you know, encourage diversity and sees like when 10 out of 10 people promoted into a position were all male – that maybe that's a problem. You know, that's the type of self-awareness we really do encourage amongst our clients. It's, it's really interesting. Certainly. And they have within their um, HR group um, a, a fairly robust diversity function. Um, last I checked, it was headed up by um, an employment lawyer uh, who's exceptionally bright and a, and a lovely human being. Um, so yes, whom I used to work with. Oh, cool. uh, yeah. And California is so much smaller than we give it credit for. Actually, it's, yeah. it, it really is. Um, <laughs> but they, they really are, as you say, committed to it in the right way. They have people who know what they're doing, who know what the laws are, um, that would apply to diversity and inclusion initiatives, and to make sure that they do it the right way. And, and yes, they, they do appear very self-aware. But I want to indulge myself for a moment and tell you the other story. Because maybe this could have been a better argument for these white guys. Oh, let's hear it. Okay. So I represented um, years ago a – I'm trying to explain the company without a name. A uh, logistics company that delivers packages. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's many of those. Okay, good. I'm glad I didn't I didn't really want to out them, but they they were not in the wrong at all. And there was this man who applied for a job at the loading dock at a Los Angeles facility. Okay. And he was odd. He also had a PhD in math and they really thought it was a little strange that he was applying for a it's unusual. job that was not much above minimum wage. Uh, but they nonetheless hired him and, I mean, not hired him, sorry, interviewed him and considered him. But then his behavior uh, 
afterwards after the interview and basically stalking them and asking them if he was going to get the job and then why he didn't get the job uh, showed them that they why they didn't want to hire him and that they made the right decision in, in not doing so. So, of course, he brought a claim with the EEOC. Of course. For race discrimination. And they were a little confused because they believed um, that he was white. And he certainly appeared to be white. And I went to the EEOC mediation and I met him. And I agreed that he appeared to be white. Yeah. So we were kind of confused because his claim was for discrimination against African Americans. Okay. And the EEOC mediator asked him for an explanation, and he, he said, an explanation essentially saying, Sir, you appear to be white, <laughs> but <you laughs> is that you were discriminated against on the basis of your race, African American how does this fit? And he said, we all come from Africa. Oh my God. No, mm -hmm. that's, that's an interesting argument. Uh, it was an interesting argument. And I posit that perhaps would have been more successful than the one they have here. <laughs> I, I suspect so. You know what that reminds me of? Though still not overly successful. But <laughs> no. <laughs> less unsuccessful. Yeah, le <laughs> less completely frivolous. Um, there was a um, a school in Kansas a few years back that every year they award a, a an award to the African American Student of the Year, and one year they awarded it to the white kid who was an exchange student from South Africa. No, yeah, way. Wow. <laughs> um, am I allowed to swear on the podcast? Um, yes. Yeah. Okay, because as Trevor Noah referred to that country, his home country, the other day, South Shithole. Oh, yeah, yeah. South Shithole. And Shithole's no longer swearing. Yeah, no, it's all over the news and papers and TV, so yep. everybody's saying it. Yeah, Shithole away. Shithole. <laughs> okay, so if my eight-year-old says it, she doesn't, ha she doesn't have to put money in the swear jar? I don't think so. I might say it all the time. Yeah. Good, it's good to know. She'll be happy about that. <laughs> yeah. So I so one of the things that I, I wanted to mention here is so we, we have these other discrimination claims, right? They're gender, race, mm -hmm. they're saying they're harassed and retaliated. Right. So don't those claims necessarily tie into the political belief part of the claim? Don't they fall apart out that? So do those possibly stand up on their own in any way? Well, they have to stand up on their own to be successful. I, well, of course. I'm saying, is based on the complaint that we've seen, is there any way to disassociate those, right, where they could possibly state a claim? I don't see a claim stated in there absent the political belief claim that, right, they're saying it's political belief and the fact that I'm white and yeah. the fact that I'm a guy, so, right, as opposed to, right, but to make those claims, don't they have to say well, guys are treated differently yes. generally, right? Uh White people are treated general are different generally, and I don't see them making that argument here that the liberal well, white guys are being treated badly. I think they are, <laughs> and he here's why. And just for the listeners, we're going to post a copy of the complaint on the websites. So you can go there and draw your own opinions. But the complaint, with all of its brilliant posting of internet memes, really sort of lays out their thought process. And what they do is 
they have examples of what they thought or what they claim are anti-Caucasian, their term, not mine, anti-Caucasian web postings. One is a picture of a puffin for God knows what reason. Love puffins. And it says, if you want to increase diversity at Google, fire all the bigoted white men. So I guess if you're admitting that you're bigoted, I guess you could feel targeted by that. But you have to say, like, I'm bigoted. But are you protected for it? Yeah. Is bigotry a protected class? I guess if that's your political activity is to be a bigoted POS. It reminds me of the case that Mark and I talked about on last week's podcast where some guy was alleging that he was retaliated against due to his affiliation with a person of a protected class because he was fired for harassing that person. This is the same sort of like craziness. Like they're basically saying we are racist, sexist piles of crap and that's protected because it's a political belief. Yeah. Okay. But let's take this just as a discrimination claim because the political activities affiliation claim is separate and it will be analyzed separately by the court. True. Right. So when they, when Google writes their summary judgment motion and I have my opinions about who I hope is um, represents Google because there's one lawyer in Northern California who would eat these people for lunch and like it. And I really hope she is the one representing them. <laughs> I won't say her name, you know, lest it, it jinx things. We could talk about this for hours. Uh, and feels like we have, if, if, especially if, for our listeners. Perhaps. But um, uh, I think uh, we're running short on time. So I think maybe the best thing to do here is um, to get everybody's final thoughts on this. Uh, Dennis, you want to go first? Yeah. So my final thought on this is that what I hate about this case more than anything else is that it's an attempt to punish an employer who's absolutely doing the right thing. And I'm afraid of the effect it's going to have on other employers who are contemplating doing the right thing and might be discouraged to do so by this kind of nonsense. I really hope it doesn't have that effect, and I hope the other companies out there follow Google's lead and don't back down. Yeah. Mark? I just want to put this in the context of a broader issue that I see happening all over the place. And we've talked about this a little in this episode of people who are bringing claims because they want protection for their own discriminatory beliefs in the workplace, whether that oh, be yeah. based on religion, um, which is arguably protected. I think that's a stronger protection than what we're talking about here today, or whether that be uh, your political belief, but that people want to be able to be protected in their jobs for talking about their own discriminatory beliefs. I think that's just a bad path to walk down. Terrible. And I hate these claims. And this falls right into it. And I don't even think it's protected here. So uh, this sounds like a whole bunch of BS to me. And it's it's kind of the next step down this, this path of these kinds of cases. And uh, I want to see this get smacked down. I want to see a lot of these kinds of cases get smacked yeah. down. And, uh, and Anne, as you are the guest of honor, we'll give you the last word. Well, golly, thank you. I I agree with both of you. I have to think that the lawyers who filed this know that they're going to lose um, because 
as we've discussed, the political affiliation, um, political activities claim seems to be very weak. And you can't combine political activity into race and gender to create a new protection for these people. Those race discrimination and gender discrimination claims are going to have to live or die on their own without consideration of political affiliation. And I'm fairly certain that they're going to die on their own. Um, and I look forward to, to this case being tossed out. As do we all. As do we all. Well, thanks, and That was a really, really fascinating conversation. Thanks for being a podcast today. Thank you. This was lots of fun. Awesome. All right. Well, um, right back in just a moment to uh, wrap up this episode. Hey, Mark. What up, Dennis? Do you ever give money to NPR? I can't say that I have. Why not? Because I listen to NPR plenty, but if I pay the money, I still have to listen to the pledge drive. And those it, pledge drives are like torture. I I hate, like, I, it makes me not listen to NPR anymore. I know. So we're not going to do that to our listeners, are we? Go to www.patreon.com slash HWE. And if you do that, we'll promise never a pledge drive. Ever. Our promise to you. Bye. And we are back. Uh, that was a pretty fun interview. That was a great interview. We really Maybe not the funniest, but it was a really interesting no, conversation. Not, yeah, we don't always have to go for funny. And I think that that... That was actually really interesting and topical. Oh, totally. Now, if you think we like totally like lawyer geeked out there for a while, like, 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 and, like, <laughs> and you're looking for something a little more <laughs> uplifting, um, we're going to round out this episode with a with a listener submitted story, and, and Mark's going to tell it, and a special announcement, and a so, special announcement. All right, so but stay we're tuned. Start with our story now. Uh, this is a really good one, it's, it, and it relates back to holiday parties. Woohoo! Holiday so, parties. Uh, I was just listening to your most recent holiday party episode, which aired yesterday. Thank you, by the way, for listening. I definitely, I've definitely planned and attended many crazy parties. I attended one where a manager insisted all of the new girls sit on a chair while he poured vodka into their mouths, and that somehow wasn't the most cringy thing he did. Um, it's <laughs> <laughs> a great way to open up an email. Uh, and it reminded me of one in particular that I wanted to share. So let me set the scene. This was two years ago, and I was working in Georgetown in DC. I worked for an office that was shared by three companies and a few subtenants. The first company was a commercial real estate company. They had maybe eight employees and made the most money. They also employed the youngest people in the office. The second was a developer. They had maybe 15 employees, and all were very nice, mid-30s type people. The last was a construction company, who was the largest company. Most of their employees were construction guys who worked off-site. I was pretty new to the company as of October, and it was time to plan the holiday party. I met with the president of the commercial real estate company, since his company had made the most money and he had the most to spend. Makes sense. Uh, he decided the meeting should be at a bar during lunch. I didn't bring my ID, I wasn't expecting to get a drink, so I drank lemonade while he had wine and told me his vision. He shared with me what he envisioned our party looking like. Oh. Blue lights, club-like atmosphere, food but not dinner, lots of alcohol, all employees and plus ones, a few notable clients, a DJ, and he wanted it in the office. 
He also kept saying Christmas party, and I kept saying holiday party until he stopped and said, no, fuck that. It's a Christmas party. <laughs> None of that holiday party bullshit. His CFO is Jewish, by the way, as is at least one other employee. Anyways, after the meeting... If you're going to get drunk, do it in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Fair enough. All right. So, anyways, after the meeting, I went to work. He showed me a picture with these big blue light towers, which I didn't think I could find, but I found blue up lights for rent. I found a big LED light up bar, hired a few bartenders, found a DJ to play for a few hours, got two different food vendors, and some string lights and poinsettias for general de- decoration. Nice. The, the floral theme. I felt like I was missing the wow factor that he wanted, so I talked with his associates. They were both pretty young, early 20s, and pretty fratty. Is that a word? It's a word now. That's her aside, not my aside. Right. And yes, it's I think fratty is totally a word. Totally a word. Totally a word. You can be fratty. Yeah. Their idea was, get this, an ice luge. I, an ice luge? I didn't even know what an ice luge was, but I looked it up. And I think that's the most fratty thing they could possibly have suggested. But the president was kind of fratty and certainly had the, the wow factor. So I decided to go for it. Now, I, I, I should have looked up a picture of an ice luge. And Dennis is doing that right now. Um, but I, I imagine it's like a frozen slide that you pour alcohol down and you kind of put your mouth underneath like Barney with the squishy machine on The Simpsons. And the cold... Alcohol falls in your mouth. That's that is exactly what it is. Boom. See, it's, I, it's I, like, I was a frat boy. See? Um, and it might be a little more awesome than that. Oh. So, yeah, basically an ice luge, also known as a martini luge or shooter block, <laughs> is a type of ice sculpture made from a large block of ice that has a narrow channel carved right. through it where liquid is poured, such as liquor products. Now... <laughs> I did a Google image search. Some of them come in rather lewd shapes. Oh. So, um, one is luges, spelled with a Z, luges ice rack that is in the shape of a female torso. Just to give you a sense of the frattiness well, that the, we are so the, looking at here. So, the alcohol kind of goes down and fills, <laughs> fills out the runway so to speak here and uh wow oh oh some of these are really not safe for work yeah so don't I don't google ice luge at, at work. work i i haven't uh, but i do love the slogan here from the luge's female breast ice mold <laughs> oh man the the um slogan is take some shooters from the hooters oh yeah we're we're, we're a high class operation yeah. here yeah so much all right so let me get back to the email um <laughs> It certainly did have the wow factor, she says, and that's um, true. Yeah. So I decided to go for it. If the president they got the luge's ice rack. It certainly has the wow feel. Yeah, I, no information about that. So, all right, the president loved it. He greenlighted everything and had me spend about a thousand dollars on alcohol, including Jaeger and Goldschlager specifically for the ice luge, which had our logo etched onto it and was lit up by LED lights from the bottom. <gasps> oh my so God. there we go. It was not. One of the more obscene ones, but it had the logo. <laughs> I'm assuming if it was obscene, she would have pointed this out. Yes. So the day comes up and we realize our holiday party is on the same night as the midnight showing of Star Wars Episode 7. 
I didn't think much of it, other than some traffic from being pretty close to a movie theater. But the same president has one of his associates go out and buy not one, but two of those $300 lightsabers that hums and makes sounds when you hit things with it. Oh, yeah. Did you know those are made locally? I did not know that. Yeah, Oregon City has, like, the professional lightsaber Lightsaber. showroom. Oh, we totally have to go do yeah, go down and check that out. Maybe do an episode from yeah, there. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, that evening, the party starts, and we were off to a great start. Everybody loved it. Between the DJ and bartenders and craft beer and local food, everyone was having a great time. That same president walked in with his nice white shirt and blazer and a few of those notable clients I mentioned earlier. I also met several of the construction guys for the first time. Somehow, the inspiration picture I was, pro- I was provided earlier got circulated, and everybody agreed that I'd lived up to the expectation. So the image of what? She's oh, talking about the oh, image of, of the what the party should look like. Gotcha. Nice pat on the back for me, the new admin. I think the night might have started to take a turn when the president, same one, <laughs> demands that the DJ play the Star Wars theme so that he and his associates could have a lightsaber duel in the middle of the office. <laughs> It played out fantastically, and I have a video of it somewhere. I think this is when he took off his jacket. It may have also taken a turn when two of the other CEOs decided we needed more alcohol and had like $1,800 more alcohol delivered to the office. Oh, my God. On top of the The $1,000 that have already been spent. I would never have thought we'd need that much alcohol. But if I remember correctly, there was not much left of it in the next morning. Wow. At some point, the president unbuttoned his shirt and was walking around like that talking with employees and whoever. I think this was the point in which my boyfriend said that this was the messiest party he'd ever been to. This is also around the time that a lot of the girlfriends were taking shots from the ice luge, but instead of using cups like we had tried earlier, when we were too sober to acknowledge any other way, they just put their mouth at the end of the ice luge, kind of Barney which Gumble style. I kind of assumed is what you was do. the point anyway. Um, so. At the end of the ice luge, and guys were pouring the alcohol in. No idea if the clients were still there or not. At one point, I go into the bathroom, and I can see a girl sitting on the floor of her stall up against the door. I recognize the pattern of her dress as someone who was at our party, so I get down next to the door and say something like, Hey, are you doing okay in there? No response. Wow. I gently nudge her and say the same thing again, but no response. The nudge turns into more of a push, and eventually she wakes up and comes out of the stall. I asked if she was there for our party, and she said yes, so I took her back and helped her find whoever she came with. We finally find her date, one of the construction guys, and he doesn't even seem to know or care that she was missing. She quietly asked if they could go, and he loudly shouted back, Fuck no, you can go home. I think she sat in a chair in the corner for a bit before leaving, and I decided I didn't like him. Good. Good. Uh, The DJ had left at this point, but the president grabbed his speakers and played a whole bunch of songs that had something to do with butts. (laughs) (laughs) There was a lot of dancing. Thinking there was some babies got back. Right. I like big butts. Yeah. Yeah. Cannot uh, lie. Uh, there was a lot of dancing, and I'm pretty sure it was mostly employees by this point. Towards the very end of the night, the party is wrapping up, and I decided to see what the guys are doing out on the balcony. Why? Why would you do what that? What were you thinking? Yeah. It's the same. Youngest- this is like in the horror movie where you're right. like, don't go Don't go there. outside. Right. Um, it's the same young associates who suggested the ice luge. Oh, no. And they were out on our balcony, which is about three stories above a freeway of sorts. To my horror, let me say that again. To my horror, they were out there throwing empty beer, glass beer bottles at a oh street lamp. Oh, my lane. God. It was like target practice or something to them. And there was shattered glass all over the street. I had no idea what to do other than to get them to stop and bring it all inside and pray. 
which I was thankfully able to do. Oh, good. <laughs> good. I was so exhausted by the end of this that I did my best to clean up what I could. It was about 2.30 a.m. at this point, and everyone oh else assured God. me they would clean up the rest. We ended up hiring cleaners to come take care of the trash and whatnot, and the employee said it was the most epic holiday party they'd ever attended. I never heard anything more about the broken glass either. So, yeah, I think that's the most wild company party I've ever planned or attended. Uh, I left the company that following July, and the next company I worked for had a $20 per person budget. So <laughs> it was much more mellow. And probably much less of a liability generator. Indeed. And then she says, I'm looking forward to never attending a work party like that again. I second that. Wow. That might be the most epic work party I have ever heard of. It off the hook. And I've worked at law firms. Right. We've heard about the worst of the worst and that merit that goes right up there with the stories we told on our podcast already and that's just awesome and and a walking recipe for disaster and lucky that it didn't end up with one oh yeah totally so anyway we appreciate our anonymous uh uh emailer who provided us with this story. Thank you so much. If you have a story like this that you can tell us, please email it to us at stories at hwepodcast.com. And please do, or we'll be forced to do nothing but really boring, dull, legalistic stuff. Yeah. Without your stories, there's really no podcast. Right. Yeah. So, so. Uh, Dennis, yeah, what? I believe. <gasps> Is it time? It's time for it's you time. to make an announcement. So, we get a lot of feedback from our listeners, and we appreciate it. But the constant theme that we've gotten ever since we started this podcast has really been, when are we going to have hostile work environment swag? I get asked that actually all the time. All the time. Like... I want to show the rest of the world that I love a, a good hostile work environment. And you guys need to, you know, follow through and help me do that. So we have. So here's the announcement. As of right now, you can go online and get yourself one of two pieces of truly awesome hostile work environments. And, and he's not kidding. Like Dennis designed both of these and I. I was laughing my ass off. I will admit it. I was really laughing my ass off when I saw these because they are so perfect. They're really good. And I, if I may say so myself, and yeah, I, I made them, but they're really good. So if you drink coffee, tea, beer, vodka, milk, milk with vodka. Liquids. Liquids of any, any kind. Stripe. Hot, cold, warm, lukewarm. You can put it in the hostile work environment mug. So... If you go to teespring.com, that's T-E-E-S-P-R-I-N-G.com slash H-W-E mug, you will see the hostile work environment mug. It's a white mug. It says, I contribute to a hostile work environment with Mark and Dennis. It has our logo. It's a great mug. It'll... Keep your cold stuff cold and your hot stuff hot and show everybody in your office that you contribute to a hostile work environment. It's awesome. It's awesome. What else do we have? So for those of you who don't drink liquids, but do wear clothes. Which is some of us. Some of us. 
Um, you can get the Hostile Work Environment t-shirt. Ooh. And it is a really cool design, if I may say so myself. I will validate that. It is awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. So it's also on Teespring. So go to teespring.com slash H-W-E-T-E-E. So H-W-E-T. <laughs> and you will see the Hostile Work Environment t-shirt. It's an original design. I think you will like it. It's appropriate. Yeah. We'll it, just say that. It's not workplace appropriate, but it's podcast uh, appropriate. So appropriate. And just so you know, in case you did not catch those URLs, they will be in the show notes and up on our website. So. Throughout January. This is a limited time thing. So... If you want to get out there and support a hostile work environment and show the world that you support a hostile work environment, now's your chance. Yeah. Show your pride in supporting hostile work environments, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, especially this one. Yeah. So thank you uh, in advance for anybody who who is interested. But uh, we are so excited to bring this to you. Yep. It's really neat. And... Another thank you, somebody posted about our podcast on an HR website recently. I believe it was a Sherm discussion room. Yeah. And our, like, listenership spiked. Yeah. For for about 36 hours, we saw about double the downloads we would have seen otherwise, which is still... Doubling a reasonably small number, but yeah. it, it, it was noticeable to us. Doubling and, two is still four. And things like that. It was yeah. more than that. Things like that are huge for us yeah. to help spread the word. And um, creative ways to do it like that are ways to spread the word. So we appreciate anybody, who buddy, anybody, buddy, buddy, anybody, anybody, buddy, 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 speak too fast, who's out there uh, thinking of ways to let others know that we exist and that we don't suck. Yes. Especially the don't suck part. Exactly. So. Thank you. Thank you. And on that note, we shall. Bid you adieu. Adieu. See you next week. Bye.